This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Jesse Torres. That's how I say your last name. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, we're having her on air for the first time. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Thank you so much. So um, we wanted to let our fans know we're a featured podcast on Newsly. So if you uh, use the coupon code below, Ghost, you can get one month free premium subscription. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. Uh, this podcast will be available on Newsly within an hour. And um, yeah, if you use that coupon code, the Newsly will take uh, your favorite news articles or podcast and translate them from um, video to audio. So you can take them anywhere you want. So thank you for being in our program. Awesome. So you are a, um, a life strategist and uh, a peak performance coach, correct? That that's what yes. you, that, and um, how, how did you get into that, that business? And I guess from the topic that we wanted to have for this podcast for our, our audio listeners is um, from trauma to triumph is the kind of focus of how, what the episode is going to be about. And maybe you can talk about how that relates to that, that statement in, in the peak performance and the life strategist role you take, you take. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's been a journey for sure. Um, I, I did not know this was going to be my path, <laughs> um, but it, it did begin with a, a journey of my own trauma, right? And before I dive into to what happened, I want to make sure I preface that what I'm about to share is in no way, shape or form villainizing the people in my story, right? So I have nothing but love, forgiveness, and care for my father, my ex-husband, all of them. I just want to make that a point because this isn't about them. It's about my experience in my childhood and in my marriage and so on. So um, I feel in gratitude for all parts of my journey. So now going into the story, I, I grew up, uh, my, my parents are both from Peru. Um, they immigrated here from Peru and, and became citizens. And in that, for my first 18 years of life, I was uh, having abuse with my father, sexual abuse. Um, from that, I, um, you know, didn't understand. What I understood was that I adored my father. I loved him in a way that, you know, was beyond <laughs> what it should be. I was dedicating songs to him when I was a teenager. You know, I was like... You know, this is just, I didn't know any different until it started to become so uncomfortable that I realized this is not, this is wrong and it's bad. He would take me to adult parties. He should have taken my mom and, you know, and it started to, you know, open up at 16. I tried to tell my mom and, uh, you know, I use the word molest and molestar in Spanish means to bother or annoy. And so he twisted my words and my mom never spoke to me about it again. Um, and so for the next two years, I was still, uh, you know, trying to run from him. Uh, when I turned 18, I decided to rebel. I thought I'm an adult. I'm a grown up. You can't tell me what to do anymore. So you want me home at what time? 12. Okay. I'll be home at two. Right. And I started to just, um, not want to be home because when I was home, it was just a nightmare. So in the process of that, I met this man and, um, like I said, I was coming home late. So he brought me home late one night um, after taking me out on a date. And my father was on the porch angry. And I uh, told him, you get out, told me you get in this house and uh, proceeded to, you know, have a rough night that night. But the next day, 
um, my then boyfriend said, you, what's up with your dad? You know? And I said, what do you mean? He was mad because you brought me home late. And he said, no, 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 that was not an angry father. That was a jealous man. And with that statement opened up Pandora's box in me to share probably more than he needed to know, honestly. Um, but for two hours, I just cried and, and shared everything. And in that moment where he heard all of it and he still wanted to be with me, it blew my mind. I had already written a story that I was gross and disgusting and something to be ashamed of. No one would ever love me because I was touched wrong by my father, you know, all of these things. And so when he loved me anyway, I was just madly in love. And, um, and we both were, he came from a background of, of, um, you know, very, um, a lot of trauma as well with an alcoholic mother. He was the youngest of four, the only boy, you know, and it was, it was one of those situations where it was really traumatic. Like, you know, just he'd come home and find his sisters unconscious on the floor, you know? And so when we came together, we said, you know what? He said, my kids will never see me drunk. And I said, my kids will never be molested. And we thought we fixed it. We were 18 and 21 and we got married and proceeded to do a pretty darn good job um, in building that home. However, what we didn't know is we were bringing a lot of emotional pain to the marriage. And so he was very explosive. He only knew how to communicate with his mother through vulgarities, anger, and rage. And so that's how it was in our home. And so I was the, the pleaser and my dad, when he didn't get his way, he would not punish me. He would punish my mom and my brother. So as a child, I took that on as my responsibility. It's my fault if there's sadness in the home. And so I just wouldn't fight him because then he would play Peruvian music and everybody would have breakfast and it'd be awesome in the house. And so I was like, oh, okay, it's my fault, right? So when in the marriage, it was like, I just needed to make sure everything was taken care of. So he didn't have a reason to be angry. But when you come from that lifestyle, it didn't matter what I did. There was always a reason. And so throughout the marriage, I was going to prove that he was not going to lose me because he told me that God screwed up when he gave me to him and that when God figures it out, he's going to take me from it. And so I would tell him, no, I'm never going to leave you, never going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you till I die, till I die, right? And in the context of that, it turned into uh, just to that point where I was apathetic and I did want to die. I, the only reason I didn't take my life was because of my own kids, my, my three kids. I believe they're the only reason I'm alive. But I was wishing somebody would blow the red light. I was wishing that somebody would just do it for me because from my perspective, there was no other way out. And in the context of our marriage, there was a span of two years or so where we had four sudden deaths of different family members, all tragically. He had an uncle that was six, six and a half that worked on the Puget Sound. And one of those big ball with the big hooks underneath just fell on his head. Like he happened to be under it at the right time. Um, his partner at the time um, worked a, a, a bike detail. He was a LAPD, um, came home from work, popped in a John Wayne movie and had an aneurysm and died and left a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, then we got that horrible knock on the door and um, my, my ex-husband's sister had committed suicide. And then a year later, my brother was murdered. And so we had that also de to deal with in the marriage, right? So there was just very, very tumultuous. And I came to that point where I just... It, there was just the only way out was death. 
And what ended up happening is I took this course at the local community college and getting there was, was a story in and of itself. But getting there, what happened is the people inside that college class were kind to me. Kindness saved my life. I, I, I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't know to call it that. But what I knew is that they treated me, they, they all pitched together because I did this video montage and they, they bought me a Best Buy card, which seems like it's the most basic, the most littlest thing in the world, but it short-circuited me. I was like, wait, why are you doing this for me? Like, I, I couldn't believe that they would just be kind to me for no reason. Help you. Yeah. Well, and well, my father had told me that people will put things in your drink, Jesse. They just want to take advantage of you. Oh, you know, it's, it's, issues. Yeah. exactly. Because he was doing that. Right. And then my ex-husband said, hey, just subconsciously, people want to break up a good marriage. So don't talk about our marriage to anybody. Right. So I thought everybody was out to take advantage of me or to do harm. And when these people did that, whatever flicker I had left in my spirit, it ignited it. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. But if this feeling is available, then life is worth living. And that act of kindness gave me the courage to get out of that relationship. Um, and then what proceeded there, which got me to where I am today, is an unsatiable hunger to understand. I wanted to know why my dad did what he did, why my husband did what he did, and why I allowed it. And I started to read everything I could get my hands on. I was going to therapy. I was mm -hmm. going to seminars, workshops, whatever it took in order to understand human beings and why we do the things we do. And um, from that, it's taken me through, um, you know, Coaches Training Institute where I got certified and then ultimately, you know, seven years with Tony Robbins. And then from that with a marketing company to help business owners launch their business and even, you know, apprentice with a shaman for a year and gone to India meditation. I did all these things. But honestly, nothing has taught me more than my journey. Yeah, the journey At the itself. moment, what's that? The journey itself taught you. Absolutely. The moment that a part of my journey or telling of it helped another human being, I was addicted. I was like, wait, what? Like, like they're telling me, hey, thank you so much. Where do I put give, give you my $10 copay? You know, like, and I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, because they walked away inspired, but I walked away more inspired. Like, I don't know. And in that moment, I felt the grace of God. And literally, he said, I could hear his voice saying, this is what I've been trying to tell you. This is why. And in that moment where it helped another human being, I, I was grateful for every part of it. I called my dad. I called my ex. I called my mom. I called everybody. And I just said, don't you feel my dad was suicidal? I was like, don't, don't. I'm fine. Like, I am exactly where I need to be. And um, now I live with that gratitude every day. I think that's like the, maybe the common kind of myth about trauma is sometimes people feel like the people that caused it, like you, you'll have this really like hateful relationship or you, you won't forgive them, but you've kind of proven that you, you've, you've gone beyond that. They, they, you found, found it like the thing that is inside of yourself that was stopping you. That might've been external why you, you felt stopped because people were telling you not to say it and keep a secret. But it, it, a lot of things like once you have that breakthrough in, in life, that you, you get past like your own glass ceiling.
I'm a cancer survivor. When I was 27, I had a level three sarcoma and it totally changed my whole mindset on, mm. on life and how, why I'm here doing what I do now is not the same person I was before the cancer. So I can right. understand when you go through that kind of issue, the issues that you have in your life can be internal or external or all kinds of medical. There's just things that happen when people go through their own, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, trial by fire and, and, and you, Very you, come much. It, you come out of it, you, you, you start to learn. Well, very much. I think sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes uh, you know, like I say, I don't think sometimes we know what we've got until our knees hit the floor. Yeah. Right. And we find that deeper resolve or that deeper will to live or a deeper level of perseverance or courage. We didn't even know existed. Right. And, and my outcome is to help people not have to have those moments. Um, you know, there was a period of time that I, I, I was geeking out on near death experiences and when you listen to people's stories who don't know each other, all their stories are very much similar. And what they felt on the other side was absolute acceptance. And, you know, and then they came back to the body. They're like, wait a minute, you know, now I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a, all these things. And I have to play these roles and I'm in this pain body. And, and it's just like, oh my God. So how can we, feel that 100% acceptance from our creator and live life that way without having to die. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very hard, like I, I think people go through a crucible, like I say, like, like the cancer and your kind of situation was like, you know, very similar, you know, not everybody feels the same thing, but I think if once you have the tra trauma in your life, whether yeah, it's through a cancer or some kind of illness or, because uh, actions that cause the trauma from other people doing things. Um, I think once you, you break through and you realize that it's not your fault, right? A lot of times every, people get hung up on everything that's going on is like your fault. Mm -hmm. And once yeah. you realize you forgive yourself and you can kind of get beyond certain moments, like you have to love, it's like that typical thing people say, we got to love yourself, you got to forgive yourself before you can ever move on. Did you feel that? Uh, very, very much. And I, forgiveness is such a big part of what I do. And I think that one of the, the greatest ways to understand why forgiveness is important, because you will see what unforgiveness can do. Mm -hmm. It creates rage in the body. It creates blame in the body. It creates, you know, uh, we'll overeat. Like it'll show up in, in coping mechanisms because there's this, hurt and there's this anger that we're holding on to and again forgiveness is for ourselves right it's it's the hardest thing to ever do is forgive the person that never gave you the apology but you do it because it clears you and i think that one of the gateways to forgiveness where true 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 forgiveness is when you're able to be grateful right for the experience mm -hmm. from the acknowledgement not that right or wrong like it wasn't I, I would say it wasn't right to what my dad did but it's what happened so what else did it create for me it created a very courageous little girl it created a little girl that built traps right i was resourceful because i was wanting to be warned when he came into my room at night i was curious i was creative i was resourceful i was all these other things that also was developed in the context of my pain and when i can start to see that i could start to fall in love with the jesse that went through it 
and I can be grateful for those character traits that it built in me. And then I can forgive because now I've pulled the good. I've pulled the light out of the darkness. And from that place of gratitude, I can now release because to unforgive is an argument with what was. Well, I think it's really interesting because I'm a musician, I'm a producer, and I'm an IT person. I design things, but I'm a creative person. And what I find is in my art that like the things that that hurt or the crucibles or the really like dark moments is a lot of artists I've talked to, they think that's what drives a lot of our work as artists. Yes. And, and the thing is like a creative person is able to take that. And I think creativity isn't just for musicians and actors. It's like, it's what you're doing is like you take the ability to kind of process things and find a way to do a positive outcome, whether it's art, or literature or music or like when you find a skill as a life coach you're taking what you're processing what's going on and applying it in positive positive ways i'm a buddhist so we kind of believe in law cause and effect so if Fair you enough. do something good you know good energy will bring good energy bad energy brings bad energy and so if when you do things that you can take something that was maybe dark and bring it into the light as a songwriter or as a director of a film or, or a painter and it becomes something that like you lets you get through it. Very and, much. And I think that that's the process. I think like the unshakable life is I think a lot of creative people have that capability. They kind of shake it off and actually use it and process it to move forward. I 100% agree with you. I actually have, my kids are all musicians. <laughs> and so like uh, it is, it is my belief that, artists, creatives carry code, right? Carry code from the quantum or the field or God or universe, whatever your belief is. Like, because when you get into that place of that connection through music frequency vibration, it it opens up universal intelligence all of a sudden, right? So it's like the greatest thing for an artist to be able to express those tragic moments in a song that connects to us so profoundly that we don't even hear it with our ears. We hear it with our soul. Right. And that's what that's what I tell my kids when they write a song. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like you took me you took me on a ride. I I went on the ride of the frequency of the music that you created. It's like like that. But here's the key. Like one of the keys for people that are creative is to come from a place of love. So if you've had a tragic situation and you're able to find compassion for yourself, forgiveness for yourself for, for thinking it happened to you versus for you. Right. And, and compassion for the other, right. Like what happened to them? Like as of recent, I I didn't share, but you know, three months ago, my other brother was murdered and um, you know, I, I, again, you know, a wrench in, in the life but I, I, I'm, I'm different now. Like when, when my, my older brother was murdered 29 years ago, I, I lost my faith on anything. I'm like, what if there's nothing? What if there's nothing? I have no idea. How dare you rip the sky open and take my brother, right? This time I'm leaning into a deeper resolve that I know there's something greater than me that's telling my heart to beat. I know that there's a great divine and I use God because that's easy for me, but it's whatever anybody's belief is. I just know that there's something greater and that in the darkness, there's always light. There's always light. So I can be in deep, profound sorrow while noticing how beautifully my family showed up. 
I can be sad and heartbroken while noticing how many people were posting beautiful things about my brother. Like those are pieces of light that I will consistently seek. So for artists and creatives, the greatest thing you can do is come from that place of even though you might have trauma or pain and you're, you can create something exquisite, it's in the release of that pain into love, into your artistry, that you open up that divine channel that allows you to create in a way that is just electric. I always felt like, you know, that I've, I've, I'm tapping into like a muse, attacking, attacking this idea like, Pete Townsend from The Who had this idea there's a universal note or universal notes that -hmm. when you're a musician that you tap into and that's when you connect to the audience. Yeah. And then The Who had been at Woodstock and they kind of felt like when they played inside of those gigantic crowds that they could, they were hitting these like universal notes Mm -hmm. that that hippies actually understood. And I think any artist, when you have that crowd and they understand your work, you're tapping into that kind of universal note or muse kind of thing that's beyond just the words. It's the, it's the frequencies of the, of the music. Absolutely. And I've, I've always been a, a very much into it, all different forms of music. And I work with a lot of different musicians from different genres. And it's always been this kind of thing that we just have this ability to, to not even know what I was going to do. Like, I don't know what I'm going to write. It's kind of, oh. somehow it comes to me. And I think we have to be open yes. to not shut it out. Because a lot of things, as like you get to be a better, long, older as a musician, what we find is like, if you try to edit things out or not listen to what's coming, you, you don't have as good of experience writing. But when you actually are willing to be open and take like everything in and can kind of not try to overthink it. And I think that can apply to a lot of things in life. Like if you don't overthink it and kind of go, with what the universe is telling you or what, what what you feel God is telling you or whatever you feel the higher power, you can kind of feel nature. You can feel the world. You can feel Gaia. You can feel all these things if you open yourself up to it. That's what I mean by being in a, a love emotion or compassion or love. Any of those heart opening emotions open you up to that channel. If you're in fear or anger, you shut that door. Yeah, that's definitely. So what would, what do you, um, you have a term called fierce grace and I think we've probably been hitting on it, but maybe you can talk about how that, how that applies to what we've been discussing. Very much. Sorry. I have a tickle on my throat. Um, yeah, fierce grace to me identifies the polarity in energy. So I think that there's a depth of fierceness in all of us. I think that there's another level. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Excuse me. It's okay. Take your time. I'm better now. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a there's another level of of fierceness in us, especially like I said earlier, in the moments where we need to do something to save ourselves, right? Like a, a stay-at-home mom that pulls a Volkswagen off a child, right? She's, she's all, all of a sudden, she's like a superhero strength, right? But mm-hmm. because her heart calls her forward and says, I got to save that child, right? And all of a sudden, so there's a deeper resolve in all of us that we're not witness to sometimes. And so 
we have to be able to have an awareness that we have that available to us. And grace is coming from the place of love of how to how to be fierce in your life, but coming from that most potent force with it, which is love, which is, you know, um, grace or, or loving on people or serving people or coming with compassion. Like, how do you do that? Because I believe that when you lead with the heart and you bring the fierceness to deliver what the heart desires, you're unstoppable, right? In that moment, you're unshakable. And if you look at the infinity symbol, it's right in the center, right? It's the masculine feminine. It's the dark, it's the light. It's the positive, it's the negative. It's those polarity energies that live within all of us. And it's not about being in one more than the other. It's the flow of both. And how can we empower ourselves to recognize that there's a part of us that we haven't even unleashed yet? There's a part of us that's just waiting for that moment or like me, that flicker of light that was just waiting for that dribble of love that sparked it so bright that it, it created an insatiable hunger in me to understand, right? We all have that deeper level. And then the ability to show up in life with grace, with care, with, you know, falling in love with just the smiles on children's faces or the birds chirping or the sun on our face and giving thanks and living in that place of gratitude and love that when you blend both that and your deep profound power of who you are, it, you're unshakable at that point. It's like, just what do you want? Because you're going to go get it. That's interesting. Cause when I started my band family, the ghost, the whole idea of it was I tried to get in touch with my male and feminine sides as, mm -hmm. and I came up with this idea of a phantom and mm -hmm. I felt like as a musician, I could, I could call my femininity and I call my masculinity and I can, I could use synthesizers to change frequency so I could actually make my voice sound fat female. I can make my voice sound male. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So one of the things about my band is like, we actually started to make progress when I created this character called Josephine Electric, which was kind of, I'd written all this poetry and the science fiction book that had this character that was a female character. And then I found a way to actually make her voice her with my own voice. Wow. And then put her into my music. And it kind of started my, my whole music career because I was willing to do that. And people would say, well, that's kind of really experimental. And I said, well, I was just, I was fearful of it because I didn't know how people would take it. But I was like, you know what? I own it because this is what I want to do. Good. And I think a lot of times it's like you have to get beyond like the fear of trying something different or failure because like, like in music, like almost everything we do doesn't work. Like, like well, you could write a hundred songs and one of them is the one that works. Right. So you can't be, you can't just hang it up if they don't work because that's the way it is. And so you have, you, you build off of all the things that didn't work and you're happy because they lead you to the next thing. Well, and the thing about failure is like, if you don't, if you don't pull that courage forward and take that leap, you've already failed, right? It's like the, 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 because you haven't done it. Uh oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You were just dropping out a little bit, but yeah, I hear you. Okay, sorry, it froze over here. Um, so yeah, so it's like failure, the fear of failure will have you beat failure to the punch by never taking action, right? Yeah. I don't want to fail so bad, I'm just never going to do it. And then I don't have to call it failure, right? Um, and it's just like so silly. But but yeah, those fears contract us. And here's the thing. I have a belief that, you know, God made you this way on purpose, right? So you are uniquely made in your gift and in your power. And you're not meant to be a lousy version of somebody else. 
<laughs> you're meant to be uniquely unapologetically you mm -hmm. and your gift is going to land on people that mine won't right and that's why we're here to do this together i believe i'm i'm a, i'm a student and a teacher at all times at all yeah. times you have to always learn i mean but like in my career being in an it i have to relearn things all the time like mm -hmm. I, I do design yeah and, okay. and, and like what we did in the 70s versus what we do now like if i was just saying all i can do is mainframe then like where am i going to be in a world with blockchain like you have to be able to go beyond it so we always are students in my industry that i'm in we constantly have to learn we constantly have to be aware that what we put out is not perfect that's why you see software updates all the time because right. we realize that it's never going to be perfect and we, there was a point back in the 70s where we tried to make it as perfect as we could but then we realized that like hey we can just keep on updating it so it, it does it's like we know this is never going to be a hundred percent we try to and I, I try to take that idea into my life it's like you're never going to always hit the mark you just keep on trying and you know that you have to Sometimes you have to fix things. Some things think you didn't know what you know today. So now well, and learned it and you, you move on. What's great about that is that we always need to be in a constant state of growth, right? Because if we're not, then we're probably dying, right? There's always something to learn and expand on. There's always something to see. Like I remember I actually intentionally, I went to the car wash and and I sat there as I was waiting for my car to get washed. And I was watching these two guys, these guys that were washing the cars and drying the cars. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what these guys got to teach me. So I was just watching them. And the next thing you know, they were they were talking back and forth and they were kind of laughing. And then one guy, you know, snaps the towel at him. And then the other guy throws the wet one at his face. And, and I was just watching them have this banter. And I thought, oh, like, don't forget to be playful when you're at work. Right. That's that's really what I walked away with. I'm like, oh, like they're just having this good time. And I'm like, that's awesome. Great reminder. Thanks, guys. You know what I mean? It's like it it it, it brings back the wonder of a child. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? To live with that because there's so much beauty. And I think right now in the density of what's happening in our world, like we we must be active seekers of light or good or what are what's the beauty? What are the gifts? right in the moment yeah, um, right moment of beauty because i mean there are little moments like i think as artists we try to document that like like if i go and i watch yeah i think a lot of artists we we, we sit and we watch and we listen and we 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 soak in all this stuff and then we might i might have been walking around the city and i saw somebody and i document that in a song because like i have this image of what i saw and i think like I saw somebody as a homeless person or I saw this person that was crying. And then I imagine a story behind it based on actually experiencing it. It gives the ideas. And as a songwriters and authors, that's what we do. Like we take these things that are always not us, but it's through our lens. We take things that happen to us and then we put it into this, oh, this other person, I saw him doing this. I saw this event happening. And then you, you create, Work, you know, some piece of art based on that experience, like the way you interpreted. Oh, I should, I should have fun at work because people, you know, should should not be so made uptight that they don't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And how beautiful is that? Like the world is your canvas, right? Like you, and you get to go. What you're, what you're noticing is humanity, 
And that's why music can touch us so profoundly because when you're out there and you're kind of sitting with those lenses of creativity, you, you go deeper, you go deeper than the surface of what you're seeing, right? You go to, like you said, you can see, imagine a story around that. That's the piece. That's the piece that connects us right here to our spirit. And what's beautiful about that, especially some of the music my sons are into and they're sound healers. So they actually use music to heal, but also the music that they connect with it's new artists up and coming now that are writing music specifically to reach the soul, like saying things, you, you know, you don't have to, you know, accept not enoughness. You don't have, you know, like people are, are starting to speak that into um, music in a way that is connecting to our own inhibitions, our own fears, our own, like, you know, um, doubts or uncertainty. And it's, it's opening that door for others to realize that there might be another way and they don't have to stay in the pain that they're in. Yeah. I would always into like, like what George Harrison and a lot of his work, he was very much, you know, looking into Eastern philosophies and, and, and trying to bring in something that wasn't British, you know, something that he, he expanded into this idea that, you know, he started doing, fundraisers for people that are afflicted by different things because he started to have more open point of view. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be rigid and just be into the blues or just into to rock. I'm going to expand and learn how to play all these other instruments. And, and I think that that is what I've always been really excited about is that when people start getting into world music, they start getting into other cultures, they start bringing in other forms. I like what I call my music. I call it expansive sound. Because I like to not be in one genre. I'm not just EDM or trance or progressive rock or punk or like, what if you could mix it all? Right? What if you feel like, oh, I want to do something that's like bebop or I want to do something that's like Tchaikovsky. Like if right. I want to do it, like why should I li be limited if I want to meld and mix things together? And I think that's how you move forward when you don't have those narrow focuses that you try to blend things more. Yeah, very, very much, very much. And it creates a a, a beautiful gift to the world, honestly. Yeah, I, I always like, like talking to artistic people or people who have a mindset, like like your mindset is to, is to take experiences and, and to actually work with people. And your creativity is actually being able to listen to people telling you their story and then be able to empathize and then assist them in, in, in directing their mindset to get out of like maybe a blocking mindset to get into more of an open mindset. Well, and not just opening up the mindset, but also being witness to the other story that was also true. Like mm -hmm. what else happened in that moment, that dark moment in your life, you got back up, didn't you? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's important. Cause I think like, you know, I, I when I had the cancer, you know, some people you can get really depressed. You could think, well, it's, you know, I'm 27. I got a level three cancer. I'm, I'm not going to make it. Or you could say, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to do everything I can because I got a lot to live for. And so I had this mindset, well, you know, I'm not going to let it get me. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to, and I actually changed a lot of things. I, I was scared of a lot of things in my life prior to 27. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do things. I was scared to, you know, opening up and then after the cancer you know, i went and lived in japan for two years wow i finally had the guts to to ask a woman that i really liked out and i married her 
we had a kid and we, you know, so thing. So a lot of things that the, the shy me or the scared me that eliminated because I went through that, that pain of the cancer, but it opened up my mind to say, I had ceilings that I was, I was putting on myself that I was blocking myself, my own progress. Cause of fear. Well, what's, what's beautiful about that is that we have the ability, our mind is so potent. We truly have the ability to heal ourselves or make ourselves sick. And in that moment that you decided, no, I'm going to live and I'm going to, I'm going to beat this. You literally started to rewire not only your, your neural pathways, but also your cells. It's almost like I, I, I say there's a commander in chief in there. Right? And he's like, oh, wait, he says we're not dying. He says we're going to beat this thing. So he's the boss. So everybody, all hands on deck. We got to get rid of this thing that's killing him. And, and it seems... Um, simplistic as I, as I say it, but it is really, really true. I love uh, Bruce Lipton who wrote a book called the biology of belief. And I really love it because it breaks down on a cellular level, what's happening at the moment of thought and what's happening in your body. And, you know, all the tests that they've done with the placebo effect and, you know, how people have cured themselves and they just gave them sugar pills, but they thought, right. They did a study that said, you know, we're going to give you this medicine and it's going to make you really hyper for the next week. So just take it and document everything that happens. It's going to make you like literally like an energizer bunny. So, you know, they come back that next week and they're like, okay, tell us what, Oh my God, I got so much done. I felt like I was so energized. I was going and they're like, Oh, that's right. interesting. Cause we gave you downers. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And they did the opposite with the other ones. They said, we're going to give you something that's going to make you so lethargic and it's going to make you so blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, that's interesting because we gave you uppers. You know? And it's like, so because the mind believed it. I also yeah. referenced like Roger Bannister who broke the four minute mile. Right. It's like he medical doctors told him it was physically impossible to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And the minute he did it because he had a belief he could, then other people had a belief now. And that belief made them do the thing. So there's so much potency in our mindset. And I think that um, we believe that we are governed by our thoughts. And we're not. We are actually in control of them. We just don't think we are. And so what's important is to come to that awareness of the thought itself. So it puts you back at the operating system of the mind. Right. You get to be in control. I say, you know, you wouldn't let somebody walk into your white carpet with muddy shoes, would you? Right. Mm -hmm. So why would you let any thoughts go into your brain that you wouldn't allow? Like I say, I have a big gatekeeper in in the front of my brain. He's one of those guys in London with the big black hats that you can't make them smile. (laughs) Right. That's who I have at the front deck of my brain, because I'm not going to let a thought come in that I don't give permission to. Because otherwise it'll deplete us, right? A part of our unconscious conditioning in our background is that we didn't know better, right? When we're children, we start to make meaning. We're meaning-making machines, right? Like we go to kindergarten, happy, joyful, beautiful child, innocent, and somebody takes our lunchbox. And we immediately anchor, you know, not enoughness. Like, why did they do that? Why were they mean? Why did they take that, right? And even though your parents can come and console you, whatever, the next day, you might show up holding your lunch pail a little bit harder, right? You're just like, oh, I don't want that to happen again. And we start to think, oh, it's not safe. You know, what if that? And, and, and those meanings, I, I believe, start to create this heart armor 
that we put around our hearts to protect ourselves when we were that innocent and that innocence was taken in the moment we started to make meaning about what happened. And so it's an unconscious conditioning we're not aware of. So if you live with a parent that calls you a loser every day, you start to believe that's true, right? Because, hey, you're my mom. You're supposed to love me unconditionally. You think I'm a loser? I must be. Yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of walls that, that you put on because if somebody tells you something and uh, you know you believe it and then you can't get out of it, you know, I, I've run into a lot of people that are, are unwilling to like experiment as much as I feel that they could. As a producer, I would try to bring out that experimentation with the artists I work with. I try to get them to like go beyond their comfort zone <laughs> so, so that they can realize that, you know, instead of trying to be like somebody else, why don't they be like their true self and really like I hear something in their demo and it's like, it doesn't sound like anybody else, but they want to go make themselves sound like this person in the top 10. I said, well, you should work on what you did in the demo because that's uniquely you and we should just make that sound better. And just do things to make it bring out what you were doing that was different. Beautiful. And I'm very much a big fan of like emerging and independent artists that do things that aren't in, you know, what's being done today. That's uniquely them. And I feel that that's why do I want to hear like 10 million copies of somebody else? I'd rather hear you. <laughs> well, and it ends up being a lousy version, to be honest. Yeah. Right? When we're trying to copy somebody else. And what happens is we're we're chasing our worthiness on being like them, right? On being like them. So um, we never get it because we're not meant to be like them. We're meant to be like we are. And so I love that you do that because it's so important for artists to find their own creation. But sometimes we don't know the noise that's in our subconscious mind that's limiting us, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I coached a lady who was an artist, and her mom's voice couldn't get out of her head. Oh, her mom believed it had to look like Thomas Kincaid, or it wasn't good art. <laughs> yeah, I've run into people like oh, I got to play like Jimmy Page, or I got to play like uh, you know Frank Zappa, or like, and if they can't, then they just hang it up. And I'm like, what, like what you're doing is uniquely you. You don't need to do that. Right, because I I love the whole idea of like the punk aesthetic because it it kind of opened up the bands like you don't have to have a five octave voice. You look at a guy like Bob Dylan; he didn't have to have perfect pitch, but it was right. what he was saying. And this is why I tell artists like what Dylan wrote down. I mean, he he won all these Pulitzer Prize for his poetry for his lyrics. Now his voice, you know, it's it's it. it I find it beautiful his voice. But it wasn't what the standard voice in music was. Right. It, was, it wasn't a Nat King Cole, wasn't a Frank Sinatra, wasn't at that level. And that's what the gatekeepers had controlled. So you had to have a, that level of voice to even be in music. And Dylan kind of opened that up. Where you, you could have a Lou Reed. You could have a lot of the alternative bands that ended up coming out, the grunge bands, because you, you can just be more you. And that's okay because we need to hear everybody's voice because they're coming. You get a Kurt Cobain, you know, you get somebody that has a totally unique voice. And it's like, if they were trying to be somebody else, it would never be them. Well, and 
you know, what's beautiful about that, again, the artistry, why we love them so much, like Prince, take Prince, for instance, like he didn't follow anybody's rules. Yeah, right? He just was beautifully, uniquely him. And we love him for that. Why is that? Because the human spirit is looking to be set free. The human spirit is looking to be unapologetic. Like earlier, I said that total acceptance, right? How do we be completely us, raw and real? And if we're judging ourselves based on comparing ourselves to other people, then that we're fear in fear of judgment. And what we don't get is that when an artist goes out there and they're just unapologetically them like Prince was, we fall in love with everything they do because what we're seeing is the part of us that wants to be free like that and be unapologetically us. So as artists, I think it's the greatest gift you can give is to bring your style of music, your voice, which I actually will take uh, my own advice from, not my own advice, but my children's advice because they are the musicians. I love music, always have, but I never considered myself having a voice. Right. And they're like, no, mom, everybody has a voice. Everybody has a voice. And they keep saying that to my mind. I'm like, oh, I wish I could sing, you know. And so they've got me this little voice pedal and I'm, you know, and I'm, and I'm working on it. But it's just got, like finding what is that for me. And, yeah, well, and I think that my desire is to create lullabies for adults. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Like how to create music that connects to the inner child in all of us. Right. And, and to be able to open and awaken that. Um, and I actually did write one song, which was, was really cool um, from an inspired ceremonial moment where the lyrics just kind of dropped into my head and my kids helped me produce it. And I was just like, I said, you know what, if this song goes nowhere, it at least makes me happy. <laughs> it makes well, me smile. But I think it's like when you find your voices, like I had a lot of work, you know, I was a, just a keyboardist for a long time. I never sang, and then I found a way that I was happy with my voice. And when mm. you're an artist, you have to be happy with your voice before anybody is ever going to hear it. And that's yes. usually a big process. You know, documentaries about musicians, about trying them trying to find their voices. Hendrix was famous for putting all these curtains up. You know, he never wanted anybody to see him singing. And I thought his voice was beautiful, but he didn't yeah. like his voice. He didn't mm. think it was good at all. And there are tons of stories about him not being very confident about it, super confident about his guitar playing, but not very confident about his voice. Got and it. I think about Prince, that the whole story about him that I think was really interesting that I have, happened to know about, when he was 17, he had, his, Warner Brothers said, we can get more Reese White from Earth, Wind & Fire to produce your record. And they thought he was going to be excited because he's a Grammy Award winning producer and everything. Prince said, no. I'm going to do the whole thing myself. I'm going to play all the instruments. I'm going to produce them. A 17-year-old prince told Warner Brothers executives, I don't need Maurice White from Earth, Wind, and Fire. I can do wow. it myself. And that's really like the start of his story. That you know, he, he was a very shy person, but when it came to his music, at 17, he knew he was good. Wow. And he was super confident in his ability. That he had no qualms about going and telling the people at Warner Brothers that he was just going to do it himself, and I think that that takes a lot of of, of, of like understanding who you are. That's you know? that's outstanding. I didn't know that story. That's a beautiful story. But how how brilliant to be able to claim that and say that and then do it. 
Yeah, it's like very rare that a person can actualize at that level. You get like a Lady Gaga, you get a Bowie, you get a Michael Jackson. You get certain people in music that are artists that can do that. There's yeah. a lot of other ones that never did that. They have to. Have, there's all these other people around them, but you get these people who kind of very confident or they know what they want to do, and um, that's always really really cool when you find somebody that really knows what they want. Yeah, uh, because some people are so like influenced by so many other things that they don't get they don't have the confidence to know when they have something well and that's what i'd like you know to to kind of touch on when it comes to you know having an unshakable life like if you could live uncaged right if if you knew that you couldn't fail how would you choose to live you know, like, how would you choose to live without the construct of all of the, the muddy waters that muddies up your vision and you can't see because you got your parents' voice, you got your boss's voice, you got your ex's voice or all these things that are clouding your vision from seeing your own divinity, your own beauty. Like, God bless Prince. He was able to he was able to be witness to who he was in that moment. How can we do that? How can we take down all that stuff? I call it filters, Right. And see yourself unapologetically and fall in love with who you are so much so that you're like, no, Warner Brothers, <laughs> I got this because I know what power I'm bringing. Right. And, and we all have that ability. Like, I want everybody to know, like, it might sound, oh, well, yeah, whatever. No, no, no. Every single one of us has the ability to have that claim because you were made in divine perfection. Every part of you, from the moment you first took your first breath, you were made divinely. From that, everything else is just the human construct of what we kind of told ourselves or are still playing a record in our minds. And we don't know what we don't know. Some of it could be an unconscious programming that you don't even remember. You're like, no, I forgave my mom for that. I forgave my dad for that. You know, but it's it's something deeper that you don't realize is still a thread in your unconscious conditioning that's having and creating limitation in your life today. Those are the things I want to help unpack. So the, the idea of an unshakable life is like you you have to have like a touch with your spirit and your heart and your soul. And it's not that you know everything. Like you know, nobody knows everything, but you know where you are at that moment and there's always something more to learn but you've got to like you know forgive yourself for anything that happened but also you know have the confidence that you can make it through right that, that you that you're not going to let all those all the noise misdirect where you want to be that you can all of you, this all yeah. of this is about a spiritual awakening yeah. It really is. It's a return home is all it is. It's a return home out of the human suit, right? And saying, who am I beyond this skin, beyond this body? What is that that source within me? And when you're able to connect and commune, right, yourself with God, spirit, universe, whatever, and you, you're witness through those lenses, you're just like, oh my God. Like it's like, and I've experienced that with people in the moment where they're just like, they're looking and they're like, and I'm like, isn't it amazing? I'm like, is it delicious? It's delicious, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, and they're like literally just in awareness of who they are beyond all the filters. And they're like children. They come back to that innocence. 
They come back to that purity of spirit. And from that place, look out. Like, it's just what do you want in your life? Because you will create it, you will manifest it, and you will attract it. You will be an energetic magnet to it. It's the law. That's interesting because I was talking to a friend, you know, before the podcast, and he was like very depressed at the news and a lot of like things are going on in the world. And he was like, like, well, I don't know, what am I, what, you know, how am I supposed to process this? And I say, well, what I tend to do, because I like, I'm into art. And so I, like, I will give myself space to just be creative and I can get lost in that. And I say, you know, that's a really good healing mechanism if you find something that that's fun for you, that, that, that makes you not get depressed, that makes you not focus on the outside, maybe focus on your inside and, and feel good. Because you need, you know, like exercise does that, but like creativity is like a, is like an exercise for your soul. Yes, you know, absolutely. And I find that like if I'm playing on my piano, if I was depressed, then that turns into something else, right? That I can, I can, I can get out of that malaise and get to a better place. And I know that everybody can play a piano, but if you find something that's similar in your life, that will give it, you know, something that you, I think everybody's creative in some way. So you find yeah. something that will that make it so you're not just you know, uh, getting all this information from all these channels and all this noise, but you're not doing your own thing. Like maybe you should like disconnect from some of that and try to do something that's more like like you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And And what I would love to say to that, too, is that, you know, when you see what's going on in the world, and my son did that. He was, you know, watching the news and he's like, mom, did you hear this? Did you hear that? And, and I said, look, honey, I, I appreciate staying on top of what's happening in the world. And last time I checked, I'm not running for president. So <laughs> I am going to, when I see what's going on in the world that hurts my soul or I, or that I hear, you know, man's inhumanity to man, which is often what we're fed then I get more convicted in how I can serve, right? Because we think we're powerless. If, if it's that heavy and that dark versus getting depressed, get empowered to go love on someone, go, go volunteer somewhere, go donate something, go, go, go to down to the, the grocery store and, 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 and compliment the freaking, you know, register lady and lighten her day, right? And because that'll, the, the universal law of reciprocity like the love you give, you get back tenfold, right? So if you want to come out of the heaviness and the weightedness, then go freaking love somebody. Again, your act of kindness can save someone's life and change it like it did mine. And those yeah. people will never know who they woke up. I'm committed to building an army of angels that are here committed to save the world. And I, and I mean that by doing what I just said. Go out and instead of joining the density of the frequency... Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's energy. We're all energy beings. Right. If there's a lot of dense energy and now you go sad and depressed, you're literally feeding the very energy that you don't want. Yeah. So in the moments that you see that, acknowledge it. I, I, you know, and I get deeper resolve, deeper conviction to go serve in, in, in a way that I as one human being can. For me, it's it's in service, it's in my business, it's in helping people out of suffering, it's helping turn tri trauma into triumph, pain into purpose, whatever. But it's also in my ability to be kind, to reach out to a friend, to say I'm sorry to someone that I haven't said it yet, 
right? Or to hug somebody or just pet my animal, whatever. The more we start to show and give our energy to love, we will beat this thing because light is still winning. Light is still winning or we would have mass destruction, right? We are still more. So if that's the case, we've got to amplify our light. When that stuff hits, it's not that it wins. It's that we dim our light. In the moments that we feel the heavy and the weightedness of the world, that's when we're meant to turn it up. And we turn it up by loving, forgiving, compassion, and care. And, and go do something that just fuels your spirit. Because if it fuels your spirit, my hunch is it's going to fuel somebody else's. And when you do that, we amplify the frequency of love. And I believe that's how we can change the world. That is a very well. I'm a child of the '70s, so I'm very much into what you just said because it's a lot of what I was into with like the Woodstock hippie movement and like a lot of the peace, love, not war, yes. and the idea that mm-hmm. you could go out and you could just help somebody. You could just go like and go go and and, and help somebody off the street. You go and give somebody, you know, some lunch and they didn't expect it. You know, go right. go and actually, you know, talk to somebody that doesn't expect anybody to talk to them. Well, and if I could add this one thing, it's a quote from Mr. Rogers that I absolutely love. It's not, he, it's not a quote, but I, I heard him say this. He, Mr. Rogers, remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah, yeah, you should watch <laughs> right? that. Yeah. So when 9-11 hit and there was mass destruction and so much chaos, right? All the parents were watching those planes hit the buildings on repeat over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So the children were scared. Like, mm-hmm. what are we seeing, Right. And so he would get down at their level and he would look at them in the eyes and he says, you know, when there is chaos, there is always helpers. Look for the helpers. And when you think about that, it's the light in the darkness, right? It's the firefighter running into the burning building. It's somebody holding a stranger's hand because it might be their last breath. It's those things that are also present. And so when it feels so heavy, look for the light, lean into that, and then go be it so that we can continue to raise and bring more light to the world versus dark. Yeah, I believe they, they what I what I try to do is like bring light to people who aren't being paid attention to. Mm. Um with my podcast, a lot of times I, I try to bring attention to creative people who I think aren't getting the attention they need to kind Amazing. of push it, push it forward. And I've been doing it since twenty sixteen. And the idea was I just like to talk to people. But then how mm. can I talk to people and actually affect people? And yeah. podcasting has become this thing where you have these big community of all different types of people. And I remember somebody said, well, you should only have a very narrow focus. You should only do music because you're a musician. I'm like, well, I'm not just talking to musicians anymore because everybody has a point of view. And and there's there's all kinds of interesting people you can talk to. So I've opened it up to be as expansive as my idea for music. God bless you for that. I thank you. Thank you for doing what you do, truly, because I know... I know that it'll touch somebody, it'll, it'll land somewhere. And that may be the very thing that human being needed. And when we think about it, we have to ask ourselves, what if that person was our daughter or our son, right? Or someone we loved and cared about. It's, it matters. So I appreciate you so much for doing this and, and opening that door up to, to serve whoever needs it versus just limiting the audience. Yeah, I think because everybody, you know, human beings should communicate and being home during the whole pandemic is, is I have got doubled into this 
world, the community of podcasting, which I find very useful because it, like having conversations, long form conversations, I, I find is very, it helps me. It's like my own therapy <laughs> because I get to meet people from all over the world and, and they tell interesting stories that I think every time I've talked to somebody like yourself, I think you bring so much knowledge and your own experience is, is everybody needs to hear another human being's story and how oh. they process their life and how they've been able to do something that's beyond them. And that's what I like about the people I talk to. Like what you're doing with the unshakable life, that is a really cool and positive thing to do. And uh, I'm very happy that we had you on the program. I want everybody to go to your website. And for those who can't see it, it's HTTPS forward slash forward slash unshakablelife.com and check that out because we always want people to, to, to actually click the links or go to the places that um, the reference material that will be behind you know, what we've been talking about all night. So go and check that out. And uh, maybe you can tell people before we leave, like what else can they find at that website? What you'll find is you'll find a, an understanding of who, uh, it, where you're at and if you should work with me because I don't take on everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And so it'll explain on, on if, if you're ready, right? Because I can't, I can't work with certain people that aren't ready for that kind of vulnerability. Um, and it'll also give you a, a, a 45 minute, and it's like 30 minute uh, masterclass where you just can watch and you can see if you truly connect and if you feel it'll serve you. Um, I believe it will. Uh, I also have a 10 step guide to get you guys started. It's a free giveaway that I'm offering to your audience um, that will just help you start to think differently because sometimes we don't think that we can go beyond where we're at. You know, it's just like, oh, it sounds great, Jesse, but you don't understand. I don't have the money or I don't have this or I can't do it because of blank. And I get it. And there's always a way for the committed, right? The people that are committed to having an unshakable life, there's always a way. And so this 10 step guide will start to open that door for you. Um, I also do offer a really deep immersion process, which is um, at healandgrowrich.org. Um, and that kind of explains a deeper dive into unpacking uh, what could be causing limitations so that we can get you completely unleashed and uh, and ready to serve the world in the way that you can. And if you're an artist or musician, I just want to thank you and honor you for living in your craft. I know it, it's not easy sometimes in the societal standards of wealth or whatever, but it's what is needed in the world. It is what will heal this planet. What you create from your soul, from your spirit, from your creative mind and your heart and your journey is, is what will shift the vibration of our planet. So I'm, I'm in so much reverence to artists um, and I'm super, super um, happy to have been here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much and have, have a great uh, rest of the evening. Um, and uh, we hope uh, everybody can watch this or listen to it on multiple platforms that we fully publish tomorrow. And we'll, we'll have a landing page for that that you can share with your audience. So thank you very much again for being on the program. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.